All right. Welcome, welcome, everybody, to another episode of the Final Final Podcast here. Carter Thompson as your host, as always. I mean, as much as we love March for March Madness in the NCAA tournament, both men's and women's great this year. April is is just right up there in terms of great sports months as well. I mean, we had the championship games from that NCAA tournament. We have the Masters going on right now with one of the biggest stars in all of sports ever returning to action. We'll get to that. We also have the NFL draft that comes up in April. Baseball opening day is starting now. It just got started yesterday. Starts in April as well. So April lives up to just as much as March does as well, which I'm very excited about. And we're going to go ahead and get started here. we got to start with our NCAA champion, Kansas Jayhawks. But first, I mean, the final four game between Duke versus North Carolina, I mean, that could possibly go down. And it, it's not possible. I think it will go down as an all-time classic. I mean, for one, that's Coach K's last game. I mean, couldn't ask for anything more for that one between an all-time rivalry of Duke and UNC. It The thing, too, that, that helps when it goes down for a game to be an all-time classic you usually have a bunch of pregame hype, right? You're talking about it for a week. You're talking about every aspect of this matchup from players to coaches. I mean, the the other part of the, the pregame hype for this one is, or was, that it was Coach K's last game. But then when you have all that pregame hype, if you live up to it, and it looks like this one succeeded, and in terms, it, it surpassed that pregame hype, which will help it go down as an all-time classic. I mean, that back-and-forth scoring in the second half as well. I mean, you couldn't ask for a much better game in that final four of Duke versus North Carolina. I don't know what side I'm on as a Wisconsin fan. Of course, I love to see Duke lose (laughs) coming back from uh, that 2015 title game. But I mean, it was Coach K's last game. I have respect for Coach K, not, not that I'm a fan of Coach K. Either way, what an amazing game to watch in the final four. Just I think it, I think it surpassed by far the the pregame hype and will definitely go down as a, as a top ten all time classic game in, in tournament history and that helps because it was like I said Coach K's last game is now and now of course since he lost to his rival UNC the talk is was it actually Coach K's last game and and, and can he go out on a loss to his rival his all time rival like that in UNC oh boy, are we going to do this again? We just did Tom Brady retiring and coming back. Are we really going to do this with Coach K now? I hope not, but we'll see. I, I think it was his last game, but of course we, we have until all the next year for that to be determined. So UNC wins that one, and they go on to face Kansas in the championship game. Kansas then, of course, wins the championship game 72-69. to They get their fourth national title. They're second with Bill Self as the head coach, 2008, the Mario Chalmers game-winning shot. That was their other title with Bill Self at the head coach for Kansas. I mean, just with an all-time comeback in this one as well, they were down 15 points at halftime. They were down 16 points at one point in the first half, making this the largest comeback ever to win the championship game. Just incredible job by Kansas. Unfortunate for North Carolina with maybe their best player, Armando Baycott, going down with like 50, 45 seconds left, twisting that ankle that was already hurt. He was doing phenomenal for them. I mean, the rebounding, I think he had like 15 points, 15 rebounds or something like that. UNC was out-rebounding Kansas. I think it was like 55 to 40 or 55 to 35. I can't remember exactly. But either way, just an incredible game. And you remember, Kansas was supposed to be the number one overall seed back in 2020, before the tournament was canceled due to COVID. So they thought 
that that was the year they were supposed to, or they had a really, really good shot of winning the tournament. I mean, it was kind of, I mean, Kansas has always been near the top of, it's one of the blue blood programs, always been near the top of the winning, always a one or a two, maybe a three seed. And they've only had one title since 2008. And they're like, that just doesn't seem acceptable. So, I mean, 2020, they thought that was their year. They had a lot. They believe they could have won it all that year. Unfortunately, the tournament was canceled. We crowned Wisconsin the unofficial champions because they were the hottest team coming in. If you remember that podcast episode, if you don't, go ahead and, and go listen to that one again on why Wisconsin was ESPN's champion, even though there was no tournament. But sorry, Kansas. But either way, Kansas believes they had a really, maybe a, had the best shot of winning it all that year. Obviously, it gets canceled. A lot of those same players were on that team, still on this team in the 2022 championship game. So kind of like a redemption tournament for them and, and good for them in that sense. They still have a lot of problems with allegations hanging over their head. We're not going to get into that. But they thought in 2020 that year was kind of taken away from them, able to redeem themselves in this 2022 national championship game. So good for Kansas getting their fourth national title. Also, just a round of applause for Hubert Davis in North Carolina. I mean, what a run as the number eight seed in the tournament this year. They, if they would have won, I believe they would have tied for the lowest seed to ever win the national championship, which would have been incredible. This is Hubert Davis's first year after taking over for the legendary Roy Williams at UNC as well. So just an incredible job for them. They're on the right path. They're still going to be a top program for years to come with Hubert Davis at the helm as for that program as well. So that wraps up NCAA and our champion, Kansas Jayhawks. Great March Madness tournament, not for my bracket. I'm sure some of you did fine, but it's still enjoyable to watch nonetheless, depending on uh, how all that turns out. But congratulations to the Kansas Jayhawks. But all right, what I want to move on to right here is possibly just like the biggest name in all of sports, no matter what sport it is. Tiger Woods is back as the Masters returns. I mean, he's about to tee off. I'm recording this on Friday, the 8th of April. Tiger Woods tees off in about 20 minutes from, from me recording this. For his second round, he shot a 71, one under in his first round at the Masters. This is 509 days after no competitive golf since his horrific car crash that you remember. He had that horrible leg injury. I mean, I remember talking about this and talking about if he could ever just golf again was the discussion. And here he is. I believe he's in the top 10 of the tournament right now. Let's let's take it up. Let's take a double look right here. Tiger Woods right now tied for 11th. And I believe the statistic is after two rounds, if you're tied for 8th or better, that has been the winner of the past 22 of 23 Masters tournaments is if you're in the top 8 or better after two rounds. That's where our champion has come from. So that's kind of where the threshold is. But I mean, are you kidding me? 509 days of no competitive golf, and he comes back to the biggest tournament on the golf circuit. And he's just all of a sudden now near the top 10 after one round, shooting a 71, one under. I mean, that's just incredible. And, and the thing about Tiger Woods, too, and it's not just on the course, but I mean, just the way, I mean, everybody is talking about this, right? Does anybody else drive the discussion or just dominate the sports headlines like Tiger Woods? I mean, if you haven't seen the photos of his practice rounds at Augusta, there are more people there than half of some of these tournaments that he's not at. 
if Tiger Woods is not leading or in contention, there's not as many. But this is these are his practice rounds where there are hundreds and maybe possibly thousands of people just watching his practice rounds at Augusta National. I mean, that is just insane. It's, it's literally unimaginable how important Tiger is to the sport of golf. It's unbelievable. But, I mean, just he's the – I think he's the most – influential i don't know if that's the word i'm looking for in terms of just the most influential athlete that's not the word i'm looking for but you know what i'm trying to get at with tiger woods and his impact on the world of sports he dominates i mean i think he could dominate any nfl sunday where if it's tiger woods in contention on a golf tournament or just any given sunday for nfl football i think tiger woods is the number one story if he wins that at 46 coming off of the horrific car crash, not being in competitive golf for a year and a half, 18 months plus, or something like that. It's unbelievable what we're watching, and it's just great to have Tiger Woods back at the Masters. I mean, it's just the, the you'll see the numbers when it comes to it with Tiger Woods. I mean, right now, like I said, he's near the top 10. His second round is getting underway soon. If you, if you look at probably last year's Masters compared to this year with Tiger in contention, you'll just see astronomical differences in the amount of people watching, it's incredible the amount of pull and influence that he has on, on driving the sports world discussion. Now the question is, can he actually win his sixth green jacket? I mean, I watched a lot of his first round yesterday. Boy, he made some, some just classic Tiger Woods shots that were incredible to watch in his putter. He's one of the best putters of all time as well. I mean, of course, I'm not going to bet against Tiger Woods. I mean... Do it as you will. It's, it's it's Tiger Woods. I usually don't like to bet against Tom Brady as well, as much as I hate to admit that. But those are two guys that it's just hard to bet against. So, I, I mean, I wouldn't doubt Tiger Woods winning his sixth green jacket. But this is just amazing and so much fun to watch when Tiger is back in golf and competitive as well. Hopefully he can stay healthy, doesn't have to withdraw for any injury purposes or anything like that, and can just have some nice rounds. At the Masters tournament, I mean, I don't think the expectations from fans should be that he should win. Like, that should not be, oh, what an unsuccessful round of golf if he doesn't win. This is already successful to see Tiger Woods back at the Masters 509 days since his horrific car crash. For him, of course, I think the expectations are to win. He's not just going to come back to the Masters and play just to just to play. He's, he's coming back to win. But for fans... This is already a success in terms of getting to see Tiger Woods back on the golf course. I mean, right now, I think some of the favorites, I mean, Dustin Johnson had a really nice first round. Hideki Matsuyama, the reigning champion. World number one, Scotty Scheffler is in the mix in the top 10 right now as well. John Rahm, I think, is up there. So this will be fun once we get to the weekend. Hopefully, Tiger Woods' second round keeps him around that top 10. Like I said, I think the statistic is of our last 23 Masters champions, 22 have been tied for eighth or better after round two. So that's kind of the threshold. you got to be around that top eight after round two to be in contention to win the Masters. That's what our past 22 of 23 champions have been. So we'll see where that gets us after round two. All right, moving on, we still got to get through some more NFL divisions before the draft comes up this week, this episode. I want to do the AFC North. I mentioned that last week. I mean, this is one of the toughest divisions in football this upcoming season. This is up there 
with the AFC West, in my opinion. They have the reigning AFC champion Bengals. They have a tough team in the Ravens. The Baltimore Ravens are always tough every year. Hopefully Lamar Jackson can stay healthy this year. The Browns are very talented. I mean, they have stars all over this roster. But, I mean, what about Deshaun Watson? We'll talk about that in just a little bit. Still a very good Pittsburgh Steelers team with Mike Tomlin as the head coach. They have the defensive player of the year, T.J. Watt. So let's go through a couple of these teams right now. We'll start with the Cincinnati Bengals. Team needs, in my opinion, they need offensive line. They addressed a lot of this in the offseason so far. You can still improve it. Cornerback, we saw them kind of get torched in the Super Bowl by Cooper Cup and OBJ before he went down with an injury. Tight end, they lost their really good leader in tight end in C.J. Uzama. And defensive line as well. They're losing Larry Ogunjobi, and they need to be able to put pressure on opposing quarterbacks. But like I said, they've made some nice additions to this team so far. I mean, Ted Karras, a center. Lyle Collins, the offensive tackle from the Dallas Cowboys. Alex Kappa, an offensive guard. They took away from the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. They also added Hayden Hurst, a tight end. They have eight draft picks. They have their own first, second, third, and fourth, and then some back-end ones as well. But like I said, they've done a really good job of reshaping their offensive line. They can still improve it in the draft. They have that 31st overall pick. So if a guy like Tyler Linderbaum, the center from Iowa, who's considered one of the best centers coming out of college in a long time, if he's there, he could be Joe Burrow's center for the next 10 years. That would be a great pairing of Tyler Linderbaum and Joe Burrow. Zion Johnson, an offensive guard from Boston College, could be another guy that they plug in at that left guard spot. I, I mean, it looks like their tackle spots are secure with Lyle Collins and Jonah Williams. So it looks like hopefully they can lock down their those tackle spots are good. Now it's about that interior. Like I said, they got Alex Kappa, Ted Karras in the free agency. You can still add in the draft as well. And then, like I said, they need some help on the back end of their defense. We saw, that, like I said, Cooper Cup, OBJ attacking next secondary. Maybe a guy like Andrew Booth out of Clemson could be an option at 31 if they don't want to go offensive line. One of those Washington quarter cornerbacks, Kyler Gordon, Trent McDuffie could be an option there as well. Those are some areas that the Bengals need to address. And then, of course, I mean, the number one thing is keeping Joe Burrow upright, right? We saw him, the number one sacked quarterback all last year in the playoffs. I believe it was against the Raiders. He was sacked eight times, and they were still able to win that game. And then the deciding play in the Super Bowl was Aaron Donald getting through and forcing the incompletion on Joe Burrow. I mean, that's the number one thing for this Bengals team is to keep Joe Burrow upright. I mean, with the weapons they have of Joe Burrow, Joe Mixon, then you've got Jamar Chase, T. Higgins, and Tyler Boyd. Now you add in Hayden Hurst at tight end as well to replace C.J. Uzama. The offense, as long as Joe Burrow is up, can be fine. And then it's just time to make sure and solidify that defense. That's what Cincinnati Bengals, and then they can repeat as division champions, hopefully next year, as long as they're able to keep Joe Burrow healthy. We don't want him. I mean, we've seen he's had knee problems his rookie season as well, something that we don't want to see continue for the Cincinnati Bengals. All right. For the Baltimore Ravens, some of their team needs, in my opinion, offensive line, we've seen this is a running team. They've had some injuries there. They traded away Orlando Brown Jr. to the Kansas City Chiefs a year ago. Their left tackle, Ronnie Stanley has been having some injury problems. Got to shore up that offensive line to keep Lamar Jackson up. I mean, we saw he was injured a little bit last year. But also, this is a running team. Running team first, 
and that's with Lamar Jackson, J.K. Dobbins, Gus Edwards, guys like that. Hopefully they can stay healthy this year. But if their offensive line is good, this running game of the Baltimore Ravens is going, which is always good. They need an edge rusher. Cornerback was a huge issue for them last year. This team was just decimated by injuries last year at the running back position, at the secondary position. They just had injuries all over this team. But a cornerback could be helpful as well to shore up that depth. Edge rusher or defensive lineman, Calais Campbell, still unsigned for the Baltimore Ravens. Something that they could address. And then wide receiver. You could always get a big-time wide receiver for Lamar Jackson to target downfield. They got Marquise Brown, but maybe they need one of those big possession wide receivers, one of those 6'3 guys on this team for him to throw it up to. They had a nice addition to Marcus Williams, the safety from the New Orleans Saints. That is a big pickup for them, but they lost Bradley Bozeman, their starting center, and Calais Campbell is still unsigned, so we're not sure if he will be coming back. But like I said, the amount of losses this team had to injury a year ago was a huge disappointment for them, so they need to shore up their depth and hope, obviously, that that doesn't happen again. Hopefully it doesn't. And like I said, their offensive line to keep their running game atop of this league. And like and like I said, corner to shore up the depth and injuries there. That's what this, if this team can stay healthy, they're a playoff team with Lamar Jackson at quarterback. Now his contract is something different, and we can talk about that later if, if he wants to sign there or what the deal is with no contract extension. I'm sure Baltimore will sign him to an extension when he's ready for it, but that's a whole different thing. Right now this team just needs to get healthy. And then they're back into the playoffs, I think, with Lamar Jackson at the helm. He's just such a dynamic playmaker. I have I see no worries there for the Baltimore Ravens when they are a healthy team. All right. Pittsburgh Steelers then. I have just I have two needs for them. Quarterback and offensive lineman. They added Mitchell Trubisky. He's gonna be their starter this year. It looks like James Daniels, an offensive lineman from the Bears. They added Levi Wallace, a cornerback from the Buffalo Bills. And then they lost some big names as well. Ben Roethlisberger obviously retiring. Juju Smith-Schuster, he's signing, or he has signed with the Kansas City Chiefs. Joe Hayden, a cornerback, hasn't been signed yet as well. They have seven draft picks. They have their first, second, and third pick as well. The biggest question for the Steelers is, is Mitchell Trubisky their answer at quarterback, or is he just the stopgap, and are they willing to grab their next franchise quarterback this draft cycle? Do they have to trade up for him? They just have to figure out this quarterback situation because they have a talented roster they have a talented team they have a really really good head coach in Mike Tomlin I mean they made that they limped into the playoffs with Ben Roethlisberger at the very end of his career if Mitchell Trubisky can play somewhat like that maybe even give them a little bit of a lift they'll be back in the playoffs they'll be a playoff team they just need to figure out the long term of that quarterback position If they believe in Mitchell Trubisky, maybe with their first-round pick, they go offensive line, and maybe they become a running team that they want to be with Najee Harris at that running back spot. But they need to figure out their quarterback position. Malik Willis is a really good fit that I think would be in Pittsburgh. He's got that big arm. He's got that big frame, that AFC North kind of quarterback that you need who can survive in the cold weather and take the big hits in these nasty divisional rivalry games. Malik Willis is a guy that I would look at. Desmond Ritter, the guy from Cincinnati Bearcats, is another one that they could look at with that pick at 20. They just have to figure out this quarterback position. They have to get it right, and then they're a talented with this talented roster and Mike Tomlin as the head coach. I think they'll be just fine in terms of competing for the playoffs, and then if they have a superstar quarterback, 
they could be competing for championships once again. But it's all depending on the quarterback. It usually is in the NFL. Once you have your quarterback spot locked down, then it's just about filling out the rest of your roster, making sure you're ready to compete for Super Bowls. I mean, that's what the Chargers have done this offseason. We've seen it with Justin Herbert. They have a superstar in Justin Herbert. Now they're filling out the rest of that roster with other star players. I mean, Keenan Allen, Mike Williams, Cleo Mack. Yeah, the list goes on for the Chargers, but that's what the Steelers have to do next is find their franchise quarterback. All right, and then lastly for the AFC North, we have the Cleveland Browns. Some team needs, in my opinion, defensive line. They have the edge rusher in Miles Garrett. It looks like they're going to be losing Jadavion Clowney in free agency, so they need either another edge rusher to bookend Miles Garrett or they need someone up the middle who can push the pocket just from up the middle and, and, and collapse it from there defensive line wide receiver they did trade for Amari Cooper but they lost a bunch of names this offseason as well guys like Jarvis Landry Landry who they released Rashard Higgins their third wide receiver obviously OBJ who they traded away so that that wide receiver room is looking a little thin right now it's just looking like Amari Cooper and Donovan Peoples-Jones I think you're going to need a little bit more there obviously they added in Deshaun Watson at quarterback this year and then they also added in Jacoby Brissett to be the backup in case Deshaun Watson, who I think will get suspended, hopefully. I mean, it's just, that would be, I'm not gonna, we'll not go into that. But anyways, they added Jacoby Brissett to be the backup. Some departures from this team, like I said, Jarvis Landry, Jadavion Clowney, Austin Hooper, the tight end, J.C. Treader, their center. They could use another interior offensive lineman. This is a big loss for them. J.C. Treader, a leader on this team. Also lost Richard Higgins. And then Baker Mayfield still on the team as of right now. I believe he will eventually be traded before the season begins. They have no first-rounder this year. They have their second-round pick and two third-round picks. And what it is for this team, it just all depends on what happens with the Deshaun Watson and what comes in terms of a suspension. Also, what they do with Baker Mayfield, who is still on this roster. This is a talented roster. They got big-time players all over this team. They got a dynamic running back duo, maybe top three, maybe the top one in the league with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt. They have a good head coach, but it all circles back, like the Steelers, to that quarterback situation. Where can they find minor improvements for when Watson is on the field for them so then they can compete with the talented AFC quarterbacks in this in this conference? Excuse me. I think that's what they're waiting on. It might be a year until Deshaun Watson is on the field for them, and then it, that it's next year that they can compete for the playoffs and compete for that AFC crown, we'll have to see, but it all depends on what happens with Deshaun Watson. But they also have to figure out what they're going to do with Baker Mayfield. It looks like they're going to have to swallow some of that large fifth-year salary for someone to trade for him, and it looks like they're just waiting for the right situation and negotiating with the right teams because I don't think you can go into the season with Baker Mayfield still on the team with all that's kind of soured and, and everything that's gone on between Baker Mayfield and the front office and, and everything that's happened in Cleveland there. But it all depends for them. This is a talented team. This this draft cycle, they just need to find where they need to make minor improvements. I think they're preparing for next year for when Deshaun Watson is their full-time quarterback. You need a new center. Get that defensive line set. Make sure he's got enough weapons. Be ready for next year when Deshaun Watson is your full-time starter at quarterback. So that's the AFC North. In my opinion, the best team in, in this division is going to be the Cincinnati Bengals again next year as long as Joe Burrow can stay healthy. But right behind him, 
is the Baltimore Ravens. I see two playoff teams in this division. Steelers probably a year, probably two years away, depending on how that quarterback situation goes. And then the Browns are just waiting for Deshaun Watson next year. Other big NFL news that I want to get to really quick, a big-time trade that kind of came out of nowhere to me between the Saints and the Eagles. This is all draft picks that were traded here. So this is how it goes. The New Orleans Saints get picks nine, or gets picks 16 and 19 in the first round of this year's draft. They also get a late sixth-rounder in pick 194. The Eagles, they get pick 18, a third-round pick in 101, and then a late-round pick number 237. But they also get the Saints' 2023 first-round pick and their 2024 second-round pick. So if you remember, the Eagles had three first-round picks this year. They had 15, 16, and 19. With this trade, the Sa- and the Saints had pick 18. So with this trade, the S- Saints are trading pick 18 for pick 16 and 19, but they're also trading away a first-round pick a year from now. This is big for the Eagles, in my opinion. They get an extra first-rounder next year because what this means is this is the prove-it year for Jalen Hurts. They made it to the playoffs last year, one and done against Tom Brady, not really a competitive game against the Buccaneers in the playoffs. But if Jalen Hurts doesn't show what the Eagles are looking for, the Eagles may be looking to trade up to get a quarterback like I was talking about for the Lions. They may be looking for the Bryce Young out of Alabama, the C.J. Stroud from Ohio State. There are some big-name quarterbacks in next year's draft class. So this extra first-rounder gives them that capital to go and get the quarterback if they want. And if not, if Jalen Hurts shows them what they're looking for, then great. They have two first-round picks this year in pick number 15 and 18. And then they have two first-round picks next year to just improve this roster and get it to where they want to be to be a perennial playoff contender and an NFC contender for the NFC crown as well. But this is just huge for the Eagles. They literally are giving up basically one first-round pick and getting two first-round picks back. It's crazy because they are, I mean, they're they're still getting the 18th pick. They get a first-round pick next year. They get a second-round pick in 2024 as well. I mean, wow, this just seems like a big-time move, like a, the Eagles kind of like fleecing the Saints in this case. But what this does for the Saints then, in my opinion, I think it's them looking to trade up for a quarterback this year. The guy that I have in mind, for the Saints is Kenny Pickett, the quarterback out of Pitt. The team that they're going to have to get ahead of, I think, is going to have to get ahead of the Carolina Panthers. One team that they could trade with to make that work is the New York Giants. The Giants have two top 10 picks. They have the number five pick and they have the number seven pick. The Saints could use picks 16 and 19 to try and trade up to number five, jump ahead of the Carolina Panthers and take Kenny Pickett. Maybe that's the quarterback they want have him either sit behind Jameis Winston for a year or compete with Jameis Winston. Remember, Jameis Winston is coming off of that ACL injury. They've already moved Taysom Hill back to the tight end position. New head coach Dennis Allen doesn't like him as much as Sean Payton did, mixing him in at the quarterback spot. So I think with the Saints, with this pick, with this trade, excuse me, pick 16, pick 19, they get two first-rounders instead of that first-rounder number 18 that they had. Now they can use these two first-round picks to try and trade up ahead of the Carolina Panthers, who I think are also looking at Kenny Pickett as a quarterback option, the most pro-ready quarterback in this draft class. Both of these teams kind of need 
a quarterback that's ready to go right now. So Kenny Pickett could be the guy for the Saints and the Carolina Panthers. Saints, with this trade to get picks 16 and 19 in the first round this year, could be looking to move up. And the team to move up with is the New York Giants. They could trade that fifth overall pick, still have that seventh overall pick for a big-time name. They could be looking at that offensive line position with Evan Neal, the offensive tackle out of Alabama, Iki Iquanu, the offensive tackle out of NC State. They could be looking at a pass rusher, maybe Kayvon Thibodeau, the pass rusher out of Oregon if he falls that far. And then they'd still have two first-round picks. They would have three first-round picks in this draft to get a premium guy in the top 10 and then still get two big-time contributors at 16 and 19. I don't. I mean, the Saints could just be looking to improve their roster with two top 20 picks, but to give up that kind of draft capital in the future, to give up your first rounder next year just for two guys in the middle of the first round, that doesn't make a ton of sense to me. It makes me think they got to be going for a quarterback in this draft cycle. But, I mean, we'll see come draft time. I think we're like three weeks away if I look at it. Yeah, exactly three weeks away from the draft coming up. So we'll see. I think this is going to be – a draft night trade that we see from the Saints with this 16 and 19 pick. I don't think you're going to see them move before the draft comes. You got these two picks. Now you wait until draft night trade ahead of the Panthers right at the last second and grab your quarterback. That's my best guess is what the Saints are doing, grabbing these two first round picks. All right. Final thought then today on this podcast of the, on this episode, excuse me, of the final, final podcast LeBron James, the the Los Angeles Lakers, eliminated from playoffs earlier this week. I mean, just what a massive and incredible disappointment with the talent on this team to not even make the play-in tournament. They're not even in there. They've been eliminated from the playoffs. But recently, LeBron was asked who he'd like to play with in the NBA. He said his son. We've we've known that for, for months now at this point. But then someone also asked him about a current NBA player, and he said, in today's NBA, I'd like to play with Steph Curry. And a lot of people took this as, what in the heck? I mean, is this just LeBron recruiting Steph Curry again? Why is it? And you know how all these conversations come. Michael Jordan would never say he'd want to play with his competitors or the guys that he's competing with. It's like, hold on. My take on this is I don't have any problems with this. I mean, we've seen how much fun LeBron has playing with Steph in the All-Star game. He's drafted him like two or three years in a row. And a lot of these NBA players are friends these days. I mean, LeBron and Draymond Green work together. On the shop, on the HBO show that LeBron runs, Uninterrupted, I believe. HBO, the shop, and Uninterrupted. I mean, those two work together on that. These two are friends outside of the basketball court. I don't have any problem with him saying he wants to play with one of his friends. And then, of course, Steph Curry responds a couple days later and says, would you want to play with LeBron? And he says, no, I'm good right now. This is also, people are like, oh my gosh, he just took a shot at LeBron. No, he did not. Steph Curry is fine without playing LeBron, with LeBron right now. He is a top three team in the Western Conference with Klay Thompson, Draymond Green, Jordan Poole, and the guys on the Golden State Warriors. These guys are competing for a championship right now. They don't need LeBron. He doesn't need LeBron to win another championship. He can win another championship this year. It wasn't a diss at LeBron. I'm sure if LeBron was on his team, he'd love playing with LeBron, but it doesn't mean he wants to give up Klay Thompson and Draymond Green or some of these young guys like Jordan Poole to play with LeBron. I don't I don't think he wants to leave Golden State to play with LeBron and leave Klay Thompson and stuff like that. 
So I don't, I think this is people are digging way too deep into this in terms of LeBron's either recruiting Steph or Steph is dissing LeBron with his response. Everybody relax. What I think and what I read is this could just be a way for LeBron to distract the media from the Lakers missing the playoffs, which it did probably for a couple of days. But now, of course, we're back to it, which makes a lot more sense to me because we know LeBron, he can distract the media easily with something like this, for example. So I don't think there's too much. I have no problem with LeBron saying he wants to play with Steph Curry. Why would he not want to play with Steph Curry? I believe we had this question. He had this question a couple of years ago where he's like, do you want to play with so-and-so? He's like, why wouldn't I? He's like, ask me if I want to play with Kevin Durant. Yeah. Ask me if I want to play with Giannis. Yes. Where he just got out. Why would I not want to play with great players on my team? We got this out of the way a couple of years ago. Why are we rehashing this? And I think it's because obviously the Lakers are no longer in the playoffs. I mean, now there's a bunch of questions where are they going to trade Russell Westbrook? Are they going to trade Anthony Davis? What's going to happen? How do they get this team back to championship contenders in one offseason? How do the Lakers do that in one offseason? Because LeBron is 30, 38 now. He's still one of the top players in the NBA, a top five player in the NBA, averaging 30 points per game this season. Top two in the NBA, I think, right now in scoring. Still averages about eight assists per game. So that's that's where all this is coming from. They don't make the playoffs. LeBron says this. They're like, oh my goodness, how can we turn this into the biggest story in the NBA when we have the playoffs coming up and we can talk about a team that won't be in the playoffs. Either way, I just thought that was something that was funny that I wanted to address in terms of LeBron saying he wants to play with Steph Curry. Steph Curry says, no, I'm good right now, which is not a shot. He's just contending for a championship right now. Why would he want anything to change with that? All right. Final, final thought then today on this episode of the final, final podcast. MLB opening day just yesterday. Great to watch. This is all I want from the baseball season. Tell me if this is too much to ask. It might be. I don't think it is. For the Milwaukee Brewers to win it all this season, please. That doesn't seem like too much to ask, right? Another thing, Mike Trout, healthy and back in the playoffs. I need to see the best player in the sport needs to be on the biggest stage. I mean, the Angels have probably two of the top three best players in all of baseball right now, Mike Trout and Shohei Otani. I mean, how do we not get these guys into the postseason? I don't know. That would be just one thing that I really want from baseball this season. Can we please get the Angels into the postseason to see Mike Trout and Shohei Otani, both healthy at the time, please, as well? A shorter regular season. Is it a little too late for that right now? I mean, since the season already started. But, I mean, my goodness, I will not be able to watch 162 games. I will barely be able to watch probably, like, 25 Hopefully I can watch like 25 because I like watching baseball. But still, the regular season just seems so long. I'm sure that was discussed in the latest bargaining agreement. But uh, hey, whatever got baseball back is fine with me for now. It seems a little late for the shorter regular season. I don't know. You tell me. I might be asking too much right now. Another thing that I want from baseball this season, the superstars to get and stay healthy. Jacob deGrom, probably the best pitcher in baseball Lot, not a lot of people are going to argue about that one, but he already is injured, probably going to miss a month of the season, maybe more with a shoulder injury. Ronald Acuna, the brave superstar center fielder, hopefully he can come back from last year's injury. Fernando Tatis, 
I believe he what he got wrist surgery like three weeks ago. Hopefully he can come back soon. I want all the superstars playing. I hate major injuries when it comes to baseball. It's hard to watch some of those teams then. And the last thing I ask from baseball this year, I want some big, big names traded at the trade deadline for just pure chaos and excitement. That's all I'm hoping for when it comes to MLB this season. Number one thing, just Brewers win it all. You got Hopefully you got the team this year. You got the best pitching staff in all of baseball. Corbin Burns, Brandon Woodruff, Freddie Peralta, Eric Lauer, Josh Hader as your closer, Devin Williams, Aaron Ashby. You got the best pitching staff in baseball. Go win it all this year. All right, that's all I ask. Hopefully not too much. But all right, that's all I have for you on this episode of the Final Final Podcast. Next week, we'll talk about the Masters, how that turned out, Tiger Woods' impact and where he finished, maybe putting on that sixth green jacket. We'll see. Also, we'll continue with the NFL. I'll probably have to do two divisions per episode. So I think next week we just do NFC and AFC West. I mean, those are... We have our Super Bowl champion in there. We have the most excitement coming from the AFC West. We'll see where those teams maybe just need to tinker and improve before the regular season starts, and we'll get those team needs done before the draft. Also, before the draft, I will have my mock draft episode, and we'll go through that, what I what I kind of think each team might do and what I think they kind of, what positions I think are most important to them and what they sh- should do in terms of the NFL draft this season. But all right, that is what is yet to come on the final, final podcast. Thanks for tuning in to this episode. As always, stay safe out there and you're listening to the final, final.